You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. And let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, host, back with another episode. Uh, today, I have Kelsey Byers on the podcast of Nourished Roots Spice Co. Thank you so much for taking some time out to uh, chat and share your story. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, out of nowhere, small world, Oklahoma, we probably know a lot of the same people because um, you're now a husband. Congratulations on recently getting married. Is Thank a you. former uh, energy soccer player, goalkeeper, right? Yes. So um, most people will know your last name if they're an energy fan. Yes. Um, but let's start, usually with kind of how these work is we just kind of go all the way back to, you know, where you grew up and then how you get to where you are now. So that being said, uh, were you born and raised in Oklahoma? No. So I was actually born and raised in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. Louisiana. Uh, Basically lived there until I was about 22. Um, I went to LSU for college. And then everybody, that's like one of the main questions I get all the time is what brought you to Oklahoma? And uh, it was school. I actually went to school to become a registered dietitian. And uh, in the dietetic like system, you have to get matched to a program, and I got matched to a program at OU. And so that brought me to Oklahoma to finish my registered dietitian schooling. Uh, it's actually where I ended up meeting Brian, and that's that's what got me up here to start with. But I honestly, I really loved it up here, so I decided to stay, and um, I haven't really looked back. So yeah, what's uh, what's it like growing up in Louis in in New Orleans as well, like Louisiana? Because a lot of people just go there for the weekend, right? Yes. It's kind of like a big weekend destination. I've done it once. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> it was pretty rough, but um, it was heavy weekend for sure. We went down there for like uh, OSU played against Old Miss in a bowl game uh, on the 1st of January. Mm-hmm. So we skipped New Year's Eve and then actually we spent New Year's Eve in Baton Rouge and then went down the next day and we had a great time. OSU got destroyed, um, but we had a very good time, and that has been my only really proper time in New Orleans. I've popped in every now and then to get some beignets on the road, but 
mostly it's a, it's a weekend destination, right? Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. It's for me. I mean, obviously it was just very normal. I've, we have really, really deep roots in New Orleans. My entire family has been there since literally the, the beginning of New Orleans. Like yeah. we have proof um, that we can actually trace our family line back to uh, mm-hmm. the Destrehan plantation. So there's actually a little town called Destrehan in Louisiana. It's about 45 minutes away from actual New Orleans. And uh, they had a lot of sugar cane on that plantation. And we can actually trace our family line back to back to that plantation. So it's pretty cool. It's just, there's a Destrehan town, Destrehan high school, Destrehan plantation. And so, yeah, we have super deep roots there. Yeah. Um, all my family's still there, but it just, it felt very normal <laughs> to grow up there. Like, right. to be honest with you, I didn't realize that Mardi Gras wasn't a national thing until I was probably 12 years old. Like, I remember telling my mom one day, like, oh, like everybody else is going to be off for Mardi Gras too. And she was like, no, Kelsey, that's only a New Orleans thing. Like, I had no idea that it was only New Orleans. I was like, what? Other people don't have Mardi Gras? Like, that's crazy. So, um, so yeah, I've only missed three Mardi Gras in my entire life. And... I don't know. It just, it was just part of my life. All of the specific cultural things were just so deeply ingrained into our everyday. Like it's just, it's crawfish season. We're going over here. We're having a crawfish boil. It was just a normal Friday afternoon for us, you know? Yeah. That, that, that it's different, right? When you grow up in some place, right. That's like, that has so many social ties just to that place. Mm-hmm. And then you go somewhere else it's yeah, it's eye opening, right? You're like my whole way of life is different now. Like everything's changed. Like we're not doing this on this weekend that we do every year that I've done every year since I can remember. Yes. So yeah, big culture shock for sure. And one of the biggest things honestly was moving away and like forgetting constantly that I can't just wander around with alcohol on the streets here. Like, because it's, it's legal in New Orleans just to walk around wherever with open container, like nobody can do anything to you. So, um, that was probably the only law that I had to (laughs) get used to even just moving States. Yeah. How was LSU? Oh, I loved LSU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just such a fun school Mm. and, um, I didn't love Baton Rouge so much. It was just like the street system. It was just like, everything was on top of each other. It's hard to get anywhere. Um, there wasn't really much to do. There's not much to do in Baton Rouge. I don't recommend really visiting unless you're specifically going to do LSU football games or something. Um, I just, there's not much else to do there, but yeah, yeah, going to school there was really fun. Yeah. There's that casino on the boat, right? And that's it. Yeah. There's not too much. (laughs) Not much going on. Uh, I haven't been to an LSU football game yet, but I do have friends that live uh, close or down there and that invited me and I need to go. Yeah. um, Especially for one of the big ones. But um, so growing up in New Orleans, right. And, and, you know, in Louisiana in that area, they love food down there. Mm-hmm. So does that kind of generally fit into why you wanted to become a dietitian? Like, how do we get to that growing up? Yeah, that's actually a great question. I haven't <laughs> talked about this in, in a little while, but um, so growing up, a lot of the women in my family were, they were obese, like 300 plus pounds. And uh, just as a little girl, I just thought in my brain that I was just going to end up obese. Like that was just part of my destiny. And that was a terrifying thought for me. Like I wanted to be a healthy person. I wanted to start um, a new path for like my future family, my kids, and just like set that example also for the other women in my family that, you know, you can be healthy and, um, you know, maybe just through me trying to live by example, they might absorb some of that and be inspired to change, you know, the way that they have been living their life. So, um, so yeah, I got a super big passion for health and fitness. Um, I 
was became obsessed with it. Like literally I became a personal trainer, fitness instructor. I was co I was doing classes. I was at the gym for way too long a day, all this kind of stuff I would never do now. I have a much more balanced lifestyle, but at the time I truly believed that in order for me to just avoid becoming obese, which is really my fear. Um, I had to spend like three hours in the gym and, and have a lot of more on the other end of the extreme side of the spectrum. Um, but eventually, you know, I was able to level all of that out, but really it was, um, watching, it wasn't even, you know, obviously the size, it was more so watching my mom being embarrassed, like asking, um, on an airplane to get an extension because her belt didn't fit. It was her not being able to ride the roller coasters that she wanted to ride and not being able to ride the bicycles in France when we went to France. Like those things that just took away from her quality of life and made her feel just like she couldn't be that adventurous person that she wanted to be. Um, that's what really broke my heart. And so that was really what I was determined to try and change in my family tree. Um, and so that's what sparked the whole health and fitness thing. That's why I went for dietetics. And um, yeah, I mean, that's where my love of all things food came from too. So yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're working out that much, you can eat whatever you want. Right? Yes. Like, yeah. not, not, I mean, you can uh, to a certain extent, right? You can never outrun a bad diet, which my wife keeps reminding me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I am like in my kind of like fitness journey, I'm in, I don't, I can't stay steady, right? Mm. I'm either training for something or I'm not. Yeah. So probably, I'm, and this is a wild thing to compare myself to, but it's kind of like a boxer, right? A boxer is like, like one of the famous boxers from the UK is Ricky Hatton. And in his off season, he called himself Ricky Fatten because he mm. just ate what he wanted to. Mm -hmm. But then obviously, you know, went into deep training I don't go into that much of training, but like I'm either on or I'm off, you know, mm -hmm. which is not good. All or nothing. Yeah. I need to kind of like find a happy medium. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll get there one day, I'm sure. Um, but so, so playing sports a lot growing up, were you kind of really active before like you thought, you know, I'm going to be a fitness trainer and go to the gym? Um, so I was a cheerleader. Okay. Uh, I actually really loved doing diving as well. So it was more like kind of gymnastics based. And mm -hmm. my mom and dad, they put me in all kinds of sports. I tried softball. I, I think I played one game of soccer. Um, I, I tried volleyball a little bit, but nothing really ever stuck for me. Um, did a bit of track, bit of cross country, but nothing was like something I was super passionate about. And then one day I woke up and just said, I want to learn how to do a back handspring. And so my mom put me in some tumbling classes. I got my back handspring probably in like sixth or seventh grade. And then, um, from there I tried out for cheer and that was my passion through the end of high school. And then I was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah. Did you, I mean, when's the last time you did a back handspring? Have you tumbled recently? Yeah. I, I, uh, I actually did an adult gymnastics class like two years ago. Cause I just wanted to see if I yeah. can still do some flips. So, um, I, my body definitely can. It's more so my brain that I'm like, it's just a fear thing. Like yeah. I just haven't done it in so long. Mm -hmm. Um, so I could still do like round up back handsprings. I probably could still do like actual back flips, but it's more of a mental block and some aerials too. So yeah. yeah. Need I mean, to go like a jump, like one of those trampoline jump houses or whatever to kind of get some confidence back. Right. And yes. Or ball pits or whatever you call them, foam pits or whatever. Um, yeah. I always like, I always see people do that and just think that it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> But it's a big it adrenaline a rush. Yeah, and it takes a lot, you know, especially when you watch like, and, and you know, you mentioned LSU, like LSU have been very good at gymnastics. I mm -hmm. know they recently lost out to OU in the national championship. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, LSU have been very good in gymnastics as well, right? So, you know, you've got that around um, and it might not have been when you were there, but you know, just seeing that, like that's when you watch gymnastics and they're on the mat and they're doing their performance, you're like, 
they looks like looks like they're having the best time of their lives, right? And yes. then they're just flying through the air. You're like, that's cool. Right? There's something so special. And I think I, I feel really lucky that I did decide to go through the cheer process because there's a lot of gymnastics elements. But I think that really set me up well in my fitness journey because I have much better body control and I'm a very big power athlete even to this day. So um, I adjusted really well. I actually joined CrossFit and I did that for several years and I still love CrossFit. I just honestly haven't really found much time for it. But a lot of those skills translated really well there. And um, like the power aspect of Olympic lifting is just like one of my favorite things. And it's like comparable to how I used to feel whenever I would tumble. Okay. My brother's a big CrossFit athlete. Mm. I'm not. Um, Yeah. I've had friends try and get me into it. And I'm like, I'd just rather go do some bicep curls (laughs) or run. I can run like long distance. That's fine. Uh, Yeah. It's uh, it's funny you say that because a a lot of people have said that, right? A lot of people similarly have gone from, you know, either, you know, gymnastics to CrossFit or something similar into CrossFit because of that Mm -hmm. same feeling. And I get it. I mean, when you go to watch CrossFit competitions, like it's, it's a pretty cool atmosphere to be around. You know, it's team mentality, even though you're in, be out there being an individual, your gym is there supporting you. So I, I mean, I agree. I see a lot of cool things happen from it. Mm-hmm. I would just break ankles and wrists and everything else. Um, it yeah. can be, it can be a frustrating sport if you don't have something that's like a, a basis to yeah. get you started on. I could definitely see that. Yeah. So when you then go, you said you did cheerleading up to high school, when do you decide, I know you mentioned that kind of the story, did you decide very early on to go to dietetics or was it kind of like, hey, I'm like, I see this all around me. Now I get to go to university. What should I do? Oh, no brainer. Let's do this. Yeah. It, I was not one of those people that changed my major um, a million times. I literally went into LSU as dietetics as my major and mm. I never looked back. So yeah. um, I really enjoyed just, I, I'm good at science there's a decent amount of math actually involved, but mostly sciences. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just found it so interesting and I learned so much and I, again, it's like really set me up for what I'm doing now. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it it was not a second thought for me. I was like, this is, I know this is what I want to do. Something about food and something about nutrition is, is really where I need to be. Well, and you know, a lot of people like, you know, and your why is a big buzzword, right? And what's your motivation and the reason that you do things. And clearly just hearing you talk for 13 minutes now, it's just like, you know, your why is because your family, right? You Mm -hmm. wanted to change the kind of course of the family dynamic going forward and then show that, you know, I don't have to be like everybody else. I can do this. Um, and that's a lot of pressure, right? But also like you've got a lot of support as well. And you know that like I can do this. It's like you said, it's simple math and science. It's not, you know, like rocket science, right? It's mm-hmm. just like, okay, you know, break it down as simple as you can. Don't eat, you know, eat less calories than you burn or whatever it is. <coughs> but as you can tell, I'm not huge into that stuff. But my <laughs> wife does count her macros every now and then when yeah. she's training. So I get it. <laughs> she was walking around with a little scale and I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. The whole macro counting thing is yeah. it's, it's a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then when you get your, Al, you know, you get your assignment, I guess, to come to OU, what's going through your head at that time? Like you, you've kind of been home this whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up, you're in university, you're, you, you know, you're close ish to home, right? An hour away, roughly. Yeah. 
And then you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to Oklahoma from LSU. Like, talk, talk me through that. Yeah, so um, I did look at a lot of places. I, I applied um, kind of all over the country. I right. did apply to two local ones. But the way that it works is that you actually have to rank what you prefer first. Okay. And it's like after you have all these meetings with the different people, um, it's kind of like if they rank you and you rank high mm. on both lists, then that's where you match. And um, I actually ranked Oklahoma as my first pick. And just the reason was because I, I just thought that the program was going to be really great. I really liked, um, you know, the, the guy that was leading the whole program um, in my interview. And I, I very much could have put the local places first, um, but I felt like I needed to get out. And it wasn't for any specific reason. It was more so like, obviously my family's amazing. You know, I have had amazing friends down there, but, um, I just had this like weird feeling inside of me that was like, I am not going to be able to reach my potential if I stay put because this is very comfortable. And while I would still probably be just fine at the end of the day, I think that getting out, I could really discover, more of who I am, especially because at the time I was only, you know, 22 years old. I'm still very young, still a, a developing adult. And I felt like it was just that, that chapter where I was on this cliff of like, you know, what, where are this fork in the road? Like, could I stay comfortable? And then your life takes a whole new path. And because I chose to leave, um, like I truly believe if I would have stayed, I never would have become an entrepreneur because things would have been too comfortable. And I never would have had that extra push to, to take that leap um, because nobody in my family has been an entrepreneur. Nobody would have encouraged me to do that. And through me finding my own life, creating my own life, um, I just had a lot of these like, screw it moments. Like, I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to believe in myself and, and keep pushing forward. And yeah. so it's been a cool change. It's good. I mean, to have that like insight at such a, such a young age, right. And to, to say, you know what, I'm going to leave. Um, and, and if worst case, the worst, I can always come back. Right, right? exactly. Like, but, I, you know, just to have that was kind of, it's probably really cool as well as, you know, uh, technically, you know, I say technically, you're in the medical profession, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of doctors and people doing all that pre-med stuff. They're already like going all over the country, right? Yes. So that kind of helps too, that you're like, you know, it's not just me. I've got a support group around me that are, that are showing you that, you know, yeah, you can do this. Yeah, it can be done because you're all kind of having those similar conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get to match day and you're like, oh, great, I'm going to owe you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it was that it was that time where it was like, I might not get this chance again because this is my opportunity to, like you said, it could be temporary. It could not be temporary. I could go do my internship and come right back or I could go and find something better and, you know, go from there yeah. and move somewhere else or stay or whatever, you know. What did you think when you first came to Norman? Uh, so it actually, I didn't have to go to Norman. I went to OU Medical. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So I was actually in Oklahoma City. I, I lived in Bricktown um, when I got here. And it was so funny. I, I literally shipped myself a mattress and I drove up here in my Sentra um, and whatever could fit in my Sentra. And that's, I, I knew nobody. I had no friends, um, didn't know anybody coming to this program and just moved like that. And that was like still one of the best things ever. <laughs> Yeah, life in Bricktown uh, as a, you know, 22, 23, 24-year-old, 
pretty entertaining, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I, I had no problem because uh, luckily just ha- knowing that there was going to be other people in the program, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of talk to them on email beforehand, got a couple of roommates. So at least I had yeah. like a couple of roommates when I got here, even though I, you know, never met them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we had our first day on internship and all like that night we all went out. So it's like, it didn't take long to make some friends. Yeah. That's awesome. So when you get here, how long is like the, the course then? Is it like a master's two year? Like how, how does that go? No. So it's, uh, it was only a nine month course. Okay. Yeah. So normally in dietetic internships are about a year. Um, so this one was a bit more of like mm-hmm. an expedited, like fast paced one. Um, and so yeah, only nine months. That's nice. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, dragging you out. Like you're like, you're on and then during that you mentioned it's an internship so you're on you know you're you're working with real people right you're yes working with people having going through issues and like you're kind of thrown in the deep end at that point putting all your training into actual work yes yeah so you're you're on location you're rotating so um you do medical or you do uh, clinical rotation mm-hmm. uh food service management rotation and community rotation so for um i was mostly at ou medical for my clinicals and food service management which was the cafeteria side of the hospital Mm -hmm. and then um for my community rotations you work with like WIC and just any kind of nonprofit food Mm -hmm. like SNAP all of those kind of governmental programs um and you go like week to week and you kind of just bounce around so really fun I really enjoyed my whole internship yeah you mentioned you know WIC and SNAP like the the whole and the regional food bank do a lot of stuff here like it's it's eye-opening when you go with them through that stuff right it's heartbreaking Mm because you're like you know you grow up and you 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 kind of oblivious to kind of food poverty I guess and then just kind of simple things like you know we, we did the kind of went through a year class with the regional food bank and, and learned so much and like the thing that shocked me the most was like kids had never there was there was an example of one kid that had never had a real peach they always thought peaches came from cans wow and you're just like it's heartbreaking stuff right mm-hmm. um, but again it comes through you know there's obviously a lack of money for food but then going forward it's the education side of things as well which you get to help with yes being dietetics and, and going into that so you know i'm sure there are every day you're like I get to help people. It's pretty epic. You know, it doesn't, yes. you know, it kind of warms the heart a little bit. Yes. There's so many different like avenues within dietetics that you can go into. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I really did love like Wick and Snap. I also really loved dialysis, but mm-hmm. my, what stole my heart was actually sports dietetics. And I actually rotated with the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was with Exos and the energy just happened to be running through Exos at that time that I was there, which is where I met Brian. And I always thought I was going to go on to become a sports dietitian. Um, but yeah, I actually instead went, when, once I actually got my RD, um, I opened up the local Lifetime back, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Um, Lifetime. Quail? Springs. Yeah, Quail yeah. Springs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lifetime Athletic. And worked there for about a year. So it was kind of like being able to marry that fitness side of me, that dietetic side of me. And, um, so I did nutrition coaching there and I did, I, I did like 12 things. I wore a lot of hats there, which, um, honestly, like working there too, helped me a lot in preparing me for becoming an entrepreneur because Mm -hmm. it's a commission only position. And so you're basically running your own business in a business anyway. They teach you sales training, lead generation, all of that good stuff. So I got a lot of training in that. And then, uh, wearing a ton of hats. I was wearing all the hats um, with like supplements. I was running lab stuff. I was doing nutrition coaching. I was the head nutrition coach. So I had them under me. And then I was also personal training and teaching classes. So it was a lot, but um, 
I think that that was, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it was not the place for me, but it set me up in the perfect way to like do what I'm doing now. So. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, and you don't probably realize that at the time, right? You no. know, now yes. you look back and you're like, wow, like I learned so much, yes. even just like managing a schedule with all those things going on. Yes. Yeah. They definitely don't teach you anything about business in yeah. dietetics. That's for sure. Yeah. So when, so the, does this then lead into you starting the spice company? Like what time does that happen? And then where does the idea come from to be an entrepreneur when you mentioned that no one in your family is entrepreneurs? Yeah. So, um, Basically, whenever I was at Lifetime, um, because it was commission only, well, at the beginning it was great because it was a lot of hype around it. And then after about a year, it like we were, I personally was tending to get rags and riches kind of paychecks. So, um, you know, being fresh out of college, I was really starting to just build my own savings account and I couldn't really afford to have rags and riches paychecks. I didn't like it. It didn't sit well with me. So my thought was, how can I at least help myself level this out? And so I was like, I'll get a little side hustle. And um, there was a local family who came into Lifetime and they had moved here from Boston. Um, and in Boston, they had a girl that cooked their meals for them, kind of like family style um, meal prep. And, you know, I asked her, I was like, if you don't mind, uh, how much did you charge for that? And, or how much did you pay for that? And when she told me, I was like, I can do that. I can cook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can do that. So um, I, that was kind of my solution to, you know, helping even out my paychecks. Um, and so it was really genuinely only for that reason. And then word quickly spread that I was cooking for people. So I had a full blown meal prep business. And once my meal prep business started to, you know, get to a certain level, I was actually able to quit lifetime, which essentially allowed me to have all of the time in the world to start to work on my business. So, um, I did not have the spice idea until about, I don't know, maybe a year after I was meal prepping. Um, so yeah, I really started my whole entrepreneurial journey through cooking and meal prepping. And then uh, it was honestly a lot, it was a lot of work. Um, I didn't really love like destroying my kitchen constantly. That was not really fun for me. And, um, while I knew I could cook well, I was like, this is ne not necessarily sustainable, like long-term, how am I going to scale this? And, um, so I just had this idea because I was already making my own spices for the meal prep, uh, specifically a lot of Cajun, a lot of Mexican spices. I was making, I started making Moroccan food and Indian food. And I realized, Hey, I have this little kind of cultural cuisine theme happening here with my spice blends. Like I don't see why I couldn't just expand on this idea and start bottling them because not everybody can afford a dietitian or a private chef, mm -hmm. but most people can afford a six or $7 spice blend. And so, uh, yeah, I, I put together my little idea. I hand printed all the labels at home, hand bottled them at home, yeah. was running to Winco, um, once a week to grab bulk spices and bottling them. Um, and that was really fun, but I quickly again was like, all right, this is not sustainable, uh, bottling, constantly and running around like crazy just to get the product produced. And so, yeah, I went from hand bottling for about a year and three months into it, I realized this is not sustainable. Literally. I was like, it's not sustainable. I need to figure out a better way for this. Um, and that's when I started working with a manufacturer behind the scenes, getting my account set up, uh, looking at samples, getting graphic designer, doing the labels, all that stuff took time. And so in the meantime, I was bottling 
to get through the, the finish line. And then by the next farmer's market season, I had a fully manufactured product, which totally changed the game for me. Yeah, like that's massive. Yeah. Right? Like takes so much stress off oh you. Oh my gosh. You find a packer or a co-packer that does all that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you part of Made in Oklahoma? Am I'm I part know? of the program, not the coalition. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's confusing. Yeah, right? there's there's a difference. There's a difference. I'm not sure what the exact differences yeah. are, but. And then like, so the farmer's markets were basically just kind of like your big place to sell other than referrals and friends through the, the meal prep business? Yep. Yeah. So that was honestly, Citadel Park Farmer's Market is what it's proved amazing. to me, like it, it, it's what proved to me that I have a product that people want, yeah. you know, because it's one thing for your mom and your best friends to buy your product and a few, you know, random people online, but to go and see it in person, how well received the product was and to have returned customers, I was like, wow, I really have something here. And that's why I was like, all right, I need to, I need to find a manufacturer like as soon as possible. Yeah. I mean, looking back, like from just, I'm going to be, you know, in, in dietetics, do you ever think that like, oh, I'd be doing meal prep or I'd be doing, you know, all this stuff? Like what, when you started dietetics, did you think you'd be doing, like, where would you think you'd be working and what was like the ideal position starting? Uh, to be honest, idea? yeah, I, I really was envisioning myself like being a sports di- dietitian okay. for like an NFL team or uh, an NBA team or something like that. I mean that, but those jobs are slim and you really got to bust your yeah. butt and prove over years of time to even, I, I mean, the network is small and you really got to get, got to elbow your way in there. It, and I didn't realize that, um, at first, I just knew I had a passion for people who wanted to live an active, healthy lifestyle. And I knew I was passionate about that in my own life. So I was like, naturally I'm going to work in sports dietetics. But then once I kind of saw how difficult it actually would be to get in there. And really at the end of the day, uh, a lot of dietitians are very type A and it's very numbers based and it's very exact. And I don't really have that kind of personality. I knew that when I was surrounded by all these other dietetic students that were crazy about their assignments. And I was more like laid back and chill about it. I was like, why y'all stress it out? So, um, I don't know. I, I just am a bit more of a creative spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yeah, my path is very random. Like my life is, it has been very random to get me to this point, but it like looking back, like you said, it's like all these little pieces have set me up to right. do exactly what I'm yeah. doing now. When you look back, it makes sense. But yes. at the time, it's like, ooh, opportunity, yes. Yes, right? like, exactly. Which is, again, like one of the things I, I kind of stress to people and one of my big kind of things is that, you know, you don't know what you like doing until unless you say yes to a bunch of stuff, right? Yes. It's not like, oh, I'm, you know, like for me, like I don't like olives. We talk about food, right? I am quite a bland eater. I come from the UK, shocker. We don't like a lot of food <laughs> other than like, and I'm not a big spicy eater either, but I do like some Indian food because the UK has the best Indian takeout in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. Uh, but like, I, you know, I'll say no to a bunch of foods because I just don't like the look of it, right? But, and that kind of translates into, you, you know, saying no to any opportunity, right? Because you, you, if you just said no to, um, you know, I'm not going to travel, I'm not going to try and go across country and go to a different school, you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't have met Brian, you wouldn't have got into the energy thing, you know, like you just, all of these things and like the domino effect of that, right? And you could have got here and you said, no, I don't like it, I'm going back to LSU, totally right. fine. Mm-hmm. But just the amount of people that just 
say no to things off the bat instead of just saying, yes, let's try this. See what, see what can happen. You know, yes. you look back, you're like, I had a meal prep business. I had, you know, I was a fitness trainer. Like you've done all these things, which then help you going forward. Yeah. They've equipped me with all the right tools at the right time. One thing that I will say on my journey it, that's been very important to me is like following my gut feelings and my gut instinct. Like I, I almost can't deny them. Like yeah. if I, if it feels not right, I really can't push myself or I might be able to for a little while, yeah. but if it doesn't feel good to me, I, it, it just, I, I can't do it. And that's kind of annoyed me at parts of my right. journey because I'm like, man, like I like logically this should make sense, you know, but for whatever reason I'm having resistance to it. And so, um, I've always just had to honor that. And I think that that has been my like secret, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, I don't know where it comes from, but it's, it's never really led me wrong. Yeah. And so I continue, especially in my entrepreneurial journey, because there's no, there's no blueprint. There's nobody there telling me what to do or what's the next best move. And so I rely on my gut instinct a ton, yeah. um, to get me where I need to go. Is there any things that you, you know, to kind of jump on top of that, is there any things that like you did try and you're like gut saying, no, you're not good at this, but you tried to force it. And then eventually we're like, oh, I probably shouldn't do this. Probably should have listened to myself. Or any ideas that you tried that you're like, eh, it's not with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I've, I've had a few different ideas. I'm the idea queen, I will say. And I think that that is a pro and a con because um, it's a pro because I never run out of, I never run, run out of ideas, but it's definitely a con because the ideas can be a distraction. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there's definitely been many ideas that I've been like, you know, initially like, this is going to be a really great thing. <coughs> and then I start to kind of, see it unfold. And then I'm like, yeah. you know what, that's not actually going to be, you know, good. And so I've been really honing in on my skill to identify what's a shiny object and what's going to be really a good thing long-term. Yeah. So I've gotten a lot better at that. I've used to chase all the shiny objects and now I've really learned how to scale that back. <laughs> I, I am the dreamer in yes. my family as well. So I know I have I just, I have a little yellow um, notebook and it has all my ideas in it and that's all they go. And as long as they're in there, I can circle back and keep making notes, but I have to write them down. Yep. Because if I don't, I'll forget about them and they'll probably pop up later and I'm like, oh I, yeah, I thought about this. I've written a bunch of notes on it. Maybe, yep. but we're plagued by not having enough time. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, yes. you know, you being a fan of ideas and shiny objects, I'm the same way. Yep. Like I, I, if I had the time, I would do a million and one things and love doing all of them. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we don't have enough money to do things. Sometimes we don't have enough time. Sometimes it's both. Yep. But yeah, it's, uh, but I enjoy life that way. Like it's super exciting. It is. Right? Every day can be different because of that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I would struggle in an office at working nine to five. Oh my gosh. Me too. Just couldn't do it. I couldn't either. So back to the business then, right? So you you kind of got your co-packer, right? Or your packaging people, you're, you're off to the races. You're, you're going to the farmer's markets now kind of fully prepped with, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Where does it go from there? <coughs> Was this last year? Uh, with the farmer's market? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, after, so... After you got the labeling. After done. the labeling. So you okay. kind of fixed that problem of this is now sustainable. Where does it go from there? So my next move was, I want to get into a store. And... <laughs> This is actually really funny. So um, I am, this is adorable looking back on. I'm like, you know, get all dressed up because I'm a businesswoman, you know? And I run out to the Conscious Community Co-op, which is out in Edmond um, on Waterloo. And 
you know, I had had a conversation with this woman on the phone and she, I told her about my product, you know, basically I just start cold calling. That's, Uh that's my strategy. And, um, you know, I talked to her on the phone and she was like, yeah, I'm interested. Bring, bring some over. And I thought she meant like samples. So, um, but I was, I had had my car packed full from the manufacturer. Like my whole car was full of product and I drove over there with my samples and gave them to her. And she comes out and she was like, oh no, sweetie, I think you misunderstood me. I want to buy your product like right now. And I was, I was like, oh, okay. Like I have some in my car. It was like, come, come on. And she comes out to my car and I open up my trunk and I was like, oh, what do you want? You know? And she was like, all of it. And I was like, I'm sorry, sorry, what? All of it? I was like, this is all I have. You know, I have a farmer's market. I was like, I didn't know what to do. And I, so I told her I couldn't sell her all of it because I had, I had a farmer's market to go to. And then I told my dad about it later and he was like, you should have sold all of it to her. And I was like, but I went, I just didn't know what to do. I was like in a predicament, whatever. So anyway, that was the story of how I got my first ever like storefront and they bought the entire line. She wanted everything in my car. It was crazy. Um, and then I just had, I took my, like, I took my friends out to dinner that night. I was like, I've got this, you know, I was like, I have this mastered. And of course, like that was the first experience and that is not how they all go. Um, but yeah, from there, my, my biggest focus was, you know, continue the farmer's markets. I actually hired, um, a couple of girls to help me run farmer's markets. So I would multiply those markets, um, started doing scissor tail and Edmund at the same time. And then last year I did Norman for a bit as well as the public market. Um, so sometimes we're having four to five events at a time. So I'd have girls all over the city and that was a really exciting step. And just, um, you know, for me finding, people, it's been interesting. Cause you know, I know a lot of small business owners and a lot of them struggle to find people that want to work for them. And so it's been such a cool experience and a blessing to have girls just reaching out to me being like, can I come work for you? And, um, you know, I feel like that just speaks a lot to the product. Like they have a lot of passion for the products and the business that I'm building. And they've been with me now for like three years. And so it's just, that's been a really big blessing for me. That was a big goal of mine too, to just have at least some kind of employee. Um, but yeah, really the focus has been last year, uh, the last year, the focus was be out in the community as much as possible and wholesale. And so, um, yeah, I was doing a lot of cold calling in the middle of the week, uh, a lot of cold emails, just following up with people and delivering everything myself, mailing things out. That's, that was the focus last year. So, yeah. It's exciting then. Yeah. Going into this year and this season of, you know, I guess now we're starting to kick off, right? With the weather's getting better, farmer's market season is starting to kick off. Yes. Um, which is exciting. So before we started recording, you mentioned a potential rebrand or a rebrand that's yes. coming soon. Let's talk about it. Why have you decided to rebrand and what's the direction? Yeah. So essentially, since I've already kind of told you my story, whenever I opened my LLC, Nourished Roots Co., um, I did not have this spice idea in my head at all. And so um, I just decided to name it that because I thought maybe I'd do some meal prep. I thought maybe I'd do some nutrition coaching. So I wanted some kind of nourished, whatever. And to be quite honest with you, people don't necessarily connect the brand name with the product. Mm-hmm. And um, like a lot of people just don't even know what my company name is. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I want to take this nationwide. And if I'm going to do that, I need to make sure that the brand name makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so 
everybody only knows me as the Spice Girl. Even other vendors, they don't know my business name. Makes so much sense now with the sweater you have on. Yes. I was like, she loves the Spice Girls. No, yes. now it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No, literally the, the vendors and, and customers, they, they don't know my business name. They go up and ask people, where's the Spice Girl? Where's the Spice Girl? Yeah. And so I got named that from the customers. And people would be like, well, what's your actual name? I'd be like, don't worry about it. Spice Girls. It's just Spice Girls. Fine. I'll respond yeah. to it. Yeah. So Childhood dream right here. Yes. Right? Like I've named a Spice Girl. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. All the '90s women out there are like, "You're kidding me, right?" Yeah. <laughs> born in the '90s. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So that was, and so the fact that people are don't—they're not like, "Oh, where's Nourished Roots?" It's like, "Where's the Spice Girl?" So um, I'm not changing the product. I'm not changing the packaging. Really, I'm mostly just changing the actual name. Okay. And one of the things that is important to me in the whole mission of the spices is that I really want to show people that healthy doesn't have to be bland, but that it can also be very, very simple to make flavorful, healthy food. And so the whole spice line is like flavor done for you. It's completely salt and sugar free. It's a culturally inspired spice line. Um, and with that, because of the mission of teaching people how to eat healthy, um, just through a simple product. I always had a free cookbook that you can download off of my website. Um, and now with this whole rebrand, we're actually making it a full blown food blog. And so you can sort it by spice. You can go on and just, we're going to constantly have new recipes coming out. It's going to allow us to do a lot more with our marketing as far as social media and email marketing, um, with, cause we're not always having new products coming out, but we can always have new recipes come out, new cooking videos. And that just adds value to the product uh, for the consumer and we can continue to put out more and more content that's going to help with our overall mission of the spices. Yeah. That's super exciting. Yeah. I love it. I love the fact that like, you know, it's, and I talk to business owners a lot, right. On the podcast and it's, I, I never get tired of seeing people get just elated and jazzed <laughs> up about something they're doing. Right. And it's not just in your voice. Like you clearly are pumped about this, right. I see it in your eyes, see it in your face. Like you just, it's exciting, right? And it's something you've taken ownership in and something that there's nothing better, I think, than having a name that's been given to you yes. by your customers, right? It's not like, I came up with this cool name. It's a really cool name. It's my idea. No, they named you and you're like, they're going to take ownership in that as well, right? Yep. Which helps you because, you know, building a community through your customers going forward. Exactly. Yeah. And I've had, like, I haven't even had any shirts that really say Nourish Truth on them. I mean, maybe on the back, but I've had several different versions and I'll have like Spice Girl on the front everybody who comes up, they just like laugh at it. They're like, Oh my God, that's so cute. You know, Spice yeah. Girl. And so I'm like, man, I really just got to, I got to make that switch because if I'm going to go anywhere bigger, it's going to be a heck of a lot harder to rebrand later than it is to be now. So yeah. I'm really excited about the change. I think it's going to add a whole new freshness to like my repertoire of ideas mm -hmm. that I have, um, in the background. And I mean, we are planning on launching, launching a couple of new products this year. Um, yeah. And I just have some freaking big plans. Like yeah. I'm going to go, we're going up with this. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, tell me about the spices. Just, you know, I know you mentioned it a little bit just then, but let's dive deep into kind of the, what the spices are, why they're so different and, you know, why it's healthy, it's flavorful and just kind of, we can nerd out on this as well. So like you've got time. So tell me about the spices and kind of why it is so important to have the product that you have. Yeah. So... Well, first of all, just in general, a lot of people would not think twice or sorry, they wouldn't think to um, like make Thai food. It's not like, right. oh, like tonight we're having Thai. You know, that's just not 
in your in your typical American household. Um, but a lot of people will go out to get Thai food. They'll go out to get Indian food and. In reality, a lot of the flavors, the secret is in their spice blend. And so sometimes you don't even need to be making, that's really the whole point of the spice line is you don't even really need to be making Indian food specifically, but you know, you can add that spice to anything you're already cooking and it'll taste like Indian food. So I have a lot of people that'll just like air fry um, cauliflower and they'll throw my Indian spice on it. So that's not an Indian dish, but now it's it's something a little bit more tasty than just your standard cauliflower. Um, but yeah, I mean, the spices are really different because I, as a dietitian and a, an accidental private chef, um, I have never been able to find a full line of spices that's high quality and completely salt and sugar and filler free. I might be able to find like one product and then there's a whole line of stuff. And it's hard for the average consumer to like weed out like what's good and what's not good. Um, and you know, you don't have to guess with me. It's everything is completely salt and sugar free. There's no fillers or dyes of any kind. There's no coatings. Um, and you know, spices in general are naturally calorie free. And so that's the easiest way to add calorie free flavor to your spices. And they naturally have just good compounds for your body. So yeah, it, it just was kind of a no brainer for me. Um, and they're just, they're just the best. <laughs> What's your favorite spice? Do we have any? I know oh, it's probably a really so hard, hard question, right? But, oh, I mean, what was the first one that you made? So I've made my Mexican blend for many years. I, I love tacos. We eat Mexican once a week, at least. Um, and so I've always made my own taco blend for probably three, four years. Well, more than that, um, probably six years now yeah. that I've made my own. And so it really started with my own Mexican blend, of course, Cajun going back to my roots. Yeah. I, you know, don't really care for your classic Tony's. Um, it's all right, but it's just so salty. So, um, and I like a lot of spice. And so I, I started with my Cajun blend next, but it was my Moroccan blend actually that, made me wake up and realize, Hey, I really got like a, a thing going here, a theme. Um, and that's, that was when I was like, all right, now I got to make a line out of this. Okay. What, uh, what do you miss from back home? What do I miss from yeah. back home? King cake. What's that? Oh my gosh. It's basically, it's, there's a king cake season. Okay. So, so you can only get it during carnival season, which is like king is in Kings. King. Yeah. Okay. Like the three Kings. Yeah. Um, so basically it's, uh, it's a, circular cake uh -huh. um like it's hollow in the, in the middle so sure. it just goes around like and a, like a donut yeah it's basically a giant donut okay. but it's a cinnamon roll kind of but it's different than a cinnamon roll it's very cinnamony it's got icing on top like yeah. like a cinnamon roll kind of icing with typically purple green and gold sprinkles and you just need to try it yeah and there's a baby hidden inside and if you get the baby you have to buy the next king cake. That's how it rolls. That's the tradition. Yeah. So that's like a big family thing then. Uh, that's just, just a New Orleans. New Orleans yeah. in general. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's always a baby inside. Always Can a baby. Can you buy these king cakes at like stores and stuff? Too? Yeah. You know what? You I actually saw, them at home. I saw them at um, Uptown Grocery last okay. year here locally. So around like Mardi Gras time, you can actually usually find a king cake. Yeah. Um, in a, in some like and they specialty. Put a little baby in it too. Yep. Okay. Yeah, a little plastic baby. So yeah. you got to watch out, choking hazard. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, honestly, not all king cakes are created equal. But king cake is still good regardless. Yeah. Uh, what do you like most about your business? Hmm. 
the customers because, you know, it's one thing to have something that you like, but to have somebody come up, I've just had so many really amazing encounters with people. Like I've had certain moms that were like desperate that came up to me and they were like, my kid will not eat anything. And they bought like my Mexican spice, something kind of simple. And I get messages later. That's like, I finally got my child to eat something other than French fries. So those are always really fun. Um, I had one guy actually, uh, he had kidney, a kidney disease and he came up to me because he was like, I read about your product online. And if you don't know for kidney disease and dialysis, Mm -hmm. typically when something says salt-free, it actually has a potassium substitute, which tastes like salt. And, uh, the potassium, they can't have the sodium or the potassium. And so that's always like a little bit tricky and there's not really any like kidney friendly, like marketing out there. Um, but he was like, is it true that you don't have any like salt substitutes either? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh my gosh, I finally, not just one spice, but I have 12 options here. And he bought the whole line because he was like, I know I can go home and I can eat this and it's not going to do anything bad to me. And so just, and then like, you know, the endless, people who have like diabetes or heart issues or, um, you know, just people that want something like my product. They're like, why, why is this not all like that? I'm like, I don't know, but you know what? I'm here now. So it's just those kind of encounters just warm my heart every time. Uh, you mentioned kind of marketing, making videos, content, how's that going to evolve going forward? And, And how do you get as a small business? Do you utilize free platforms like social media, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, YouTube to get your word out there and, and, and have fun with making videos and teaching people through that. Yeah. So the marketing journey has been a journey for me. Um, just small business owners. I think a lot of us struggle with marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to really crack a shell cause I did not like to put myself out there on social media. I was always terrified people were going to make fun of me and uh, finally gotten past that. And so lately I've been having a lot more fun with it. And, um, but yeah, I've been utilizing a lot more of like TikTok more so than anything else. Um, And then Pinterest now with the new food blog there, it's a lot more food blog friendly, I guess. (laughs) Um, So I've just been having a lot more fun with it because I'm playing with my food styling skills um, and playing again with my food writing, which has been really fun for me. I I used to write quite a bit and I hadn't for a while. So going with this rebrand and doing a food blog, I've been able to kind of pull that skill out of the closet. And that's been just a a refreshing, um, fun thing for me. Just writing in general or always kind of writing about food? Um, So yeah, I used to write, well, I, I wrote, for like some radios and stuff, but mostly about food. Like I did some, uh, they had some public service announcements and stuff. Columns and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and those were, I was working with a dietitian. I was an intern under her in college and she had a a nonprofit. And so she got those radio spots. Mm -hmm. And so she had me writing like just some healthy, like one minute long little segments. So I did some radio spot writing. I did some writing for GNC on supplements for their email marketing, um, back in college as well. And then, yeah, I just, I always enjoyed writing and I just never really gave myself a chance to keep exploring that. Um, but it's, I've, like really had a lot of fun writing now through the food blog yeah. and that's, and having the food blog content 
is a lot more inspiring for me to want to post it on all these different social media platforms. Cause before it's kind of like, Oh, I got to make another Instagram post, you know, but now it's like, Oh, all this content's sitting here and I can just kind of shorten things and repurpose it. And, um, it just feels, it feels like it's all fitting a lot better than it was before. Yeah, it takes time to develop that skill, right? To kind of and and for someone like you said who doesn't feel comfortable, didn't feel comfortable originally in front of the camera and posting videos and doing all that stuff, like it is, it's a science and an art in itself. And and getting used to that, you know, and and the keyword you said there that I kind of dinged in my you know light bulb moment is repurposing content, mm-hmm. right? Like you can go and record like this podcast, you know, like I'll send you this podcast and you can use it however you want to use it to repurpose whatever the stories are in here that you can use and lay over some mid video or whatever, but it's just taking, you know, an hour's worth of content and breaking it down into nine different videos, right? Yes. It's just the best thing ever. Um, you should start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I tell everybody that too. <clears throat> yeah. I would love to start a podcast. That would be really fun. Very easy to do. I promise <laughs> you. If I can figure it out, you can do it. It's easy to do. Um, no. so have you thought about, whoops, banging the camera. Um, have you thought about collaborating with other people, other businesses? Like, you know, um, one of my sponsors for the podcast is the Oklahoma beef council. Mm. So spices, meat makes sense. Yes. Right? That's kind of in my head. I'm like, Oh, that would be really cool. So I will introduce you to those people. Yeah. Um, but have you, you know, you thought about, you know, collaborating with other businesses going forward. And I know that can be kind of mutually beneficial for small businesses as well, especially when it doesn't cost anything. Like what's kind of your idea or or have you done any collaborations on that in the past? Yeah, I've gotten a couple of uh, people interested and so I'm working on it at the moment. Um, There's a local guy, uh, Uptown Jerky, I don't know if you know. Okay, so Mitchell, um, good friend of mine, small business, you know, couple booths down for me every week. Uh, he wants to start using my spices um, for a new jerky flavor. Um, so that would be a really cool collaboration. And then the other thing is I actually worked with my manufacturer to get bulk spices for restaurant purposes. And so really my next like lane of attack right now is uh, working with the local restaurants and seeing, working with the local chefs and seeing what we can cook up, you know, for the, especially the ones that have the rotating menus, um, like whiskey cake, for example. And that would be a great way for them to utilize local spices. And then um, it might get me on their menu. People will be like, this is delicious. I wonder what they put on it. They could sell it. Um, so that's really my next, uh, like, collaboration yeah. effort, I guess. That's good. That'll be, and the good thing is there's a lot of local businesses around, uh, you know, and the farmer's markets are stocked with people that you can just, when you have time or you have employees doing your booth, you can wander around and say, Hey, let's figure this out. Let's do something together. And, you know, kind of helps everybody. So just takes time. You know? yes. <laughs> it's like no shortage of people around to talk to. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, finishing up, how do, I mean, obviously the rebrand is coming soon. Um, you know, rebranding into the spice girl. Is that how we're going to go? Like that's it's, gonna uh, be? it's going to be the spice girl kitchen. Okay. Yep. So it'll be the spice girl kitchen.com okay. and that's where you'll find the food blog. And then all of the spices are going to be moved, mm. um, to the shop there too. Okay. But for people, okay, so for if that if, if this podcast goes out before that happens, where can they go to now? I guess. So right now, you can find me on Instagram at Nourished Roots Spice Co. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have the website nourishedrootsco.com. That's where you can you know message me through yeah. the website. Um, but eventually, whenever the rebrand does just come name, out, right? yeah. So and for a while, I'm going to have it to where when you go to nourishedrootsco.com, it'll yeah. automatically redirect you to the Spice Girl Kitchen. And then if you're already following me on Instagram. Um, it, it'll just change right. the name there. 
So that'll be easy. Okay. So I'll put that link in the description. You guys can go to that, follow Kelsey's business there and um, go buy some spice. Uh, I'm going to send this to my wife because she does all the shopping for us. Uh, and I, if I did the shopping, we'd probably just eat chicken and bland chicken and rice every day with maybe some vegetables. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for spending uh, some of your time, some of your day sharing your story. Um, it's awesome. I love it. I love the motivation behind it. I love the why. I'm sure family's super proud of you. Um, you're an Oklahoma transplant like me, so mm -hmm. I get that. Yep. And, um, and also have I have some personal connections to um, dialysis and kidney stuff as well through family members. Okay. So I totally get when you talk about, about that yeah, as well, because yeah. that's a bit of a minefield. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming down. For people listening, I will post the links in the description and we will catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.